drink it in, man. Oh, Darius, how big are you, young man? How big are you? Drink it in, man. Detroit Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid drinkers, what is going on? This is your boy, Oakry. I got Griff on the other end of the line as usual. Griff, what's going on? Hey, man. Just getting real excited, man. Veterans are going to report, man. Training camp starting. I think they either kind of meet or report tomorrow, Friday, uh, first kind of on field, and then uh, Saturday and through the weekend we're, we'll be up and rolling. So that'll be great. Yeah, looking forward to it. Yes, sir. So everybody out there, we're coming back at you. And we told you uh, Grifka set the tone this week and said we'd be talking corners and wideouts. So Grifka, I throw it to you. Uh, what player you want to start with this week on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast? Oh, if we're talking corners and wideouts, man, we got to start the cornerback. We got to start with big play slay, of course. Oh, of oh, course. We can't, can't go with anybody else. Your boy. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man, Grifka, for everybody out there, Grifka has uh, loved big play slay from day one, um, going all the way back. I think we went to, like, the first training camp practice after Slay had been drafted, and we're watching him, and Grifka's kind of nudging me, going, man, I think this this cornerback, this Slay, is going to be good. And I'm like, ah, you know, we'll see. Uh, he wasn't really on my draft radar, at least in high second round. So we're hanging around after uh, after camp or whatever, um, a sudden there's Slay right in front of us so I start yakking right I start telling them uh you know uh Nate Burleson was there too wasn't he Grifka Nate yeah. was right there by him and so yep. I start yeah I start yakking at Nate and I'm like hey Nate did you give the young fella the old double move how about the old uh the old okie doke and I and I can't forget them both laughing and Slay being real humble but Nate being like but like, no, man, he's going to be a good player. He's going to be a good player. So, of course, he says that. I kind of laugh it off. I'm just there having fun. Big play, Slay signs our uh, my old mini helmet or whatever I had that day. And uh, hey, I was just I got so a disappointed. I got, yeah. a hand, I got a handshake, man. I just remember I, just remember I shook <laughs> his hand. I'm like, hey, can I just shake your hand? And he's like, sure. And I'm like, hey, you're going to be good. And he's like, thanks. That's all he said to me. He's like, thanks. And like, <laughs> you, you, you were, were like, a so fan from day one. Heck yeah, man. Heck yeah. Just shake just, your hand. And I was just like, oh, you signed my my helmet? You ruined it. I'm like, dude, so, I'm like, dude, he's going to be good. Whatever, yeah. <laughs> yeah like, you I, like gave it to a bum out in the parking lot. You're like, here, man, here's a mini helmet by Big Place Lay. Take it off me. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> oh, give me I, some credit. I, I think I eBayed it for 30 bucks or something. Yeah. When you told me that, I'm like, what the heck are you doing? He was like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, that I'm like, how much you sell it for? And you're like, thirty bucks. I'm like, the hell, they cost thirty bucks. <laughs> I was just trying to break even because people out there, let's get it straight. We're calling him Big Play Slay all day here, but this guy was not Big Play at that point. He was a an under the radar injured cornerback that hadn't done anything in the league. Had barely even had his first practice. But I got to give it to Grifka. He did say he'd be good. Every time we went to the games, he'd be saying, see, look at Slay out there making plays. And I kept arguing. The guy hadn't made big plays until the last couple of years where he started making turnovers and really being that lockdown corner. So Grifka, stories aside, passed aside, talk to me about Slay. If you need, I can get you his contract numbers here. Let's talk about the player, the contract, his age, all that good stuff. Well, let's see what uh... – 
Slay's only 27 years old, man, coming into his prime. What, he originally signed with the – he had the four-year deal out there. And um, yeah, four, 48 mil, yeah. four years. Yeah, and I think was it uh, after 2019 he has the opt-out? You know, there's like the opt-out he can do, I believe, is what is what's there. But, um, you know, what what he does, what he brings to this team, I mean, it's, it's probably one of the most – I don't know. I wouldn't call him elite, but he's like – right below that tier one DB. So what he brings to this team, you know, I don't want to say he locks down the side of the field and maybe it's just because the other guy on the other side was never that good. So they always threw to the other side, but what he does for this team, what he's making, you know, um, I'm not saying let's throw the bank at him. He's not Deion Sanders by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, I, I like, <laughs> I like what he makes. I like what he brings to this team. He brings a swagger to the defensive backfield. He's, he's almost like the Yang to uh Glover Quinn Ying, you know, like, Glover's very he seems like mellow he's got it that that steely veteran where Slay, man, he just like I don't say he's yapping, but this guy's high energy. I love this guy. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh folks that are out there listening, Kool-Aid drinkers, if you didn't listen to the last episode, Griffith slit he slipped in a few of classics. I think Ronnie Lott made the last episode. Yep. Um, you know, a classic tight end from the nineties made the episode, a few other people. So he's already got in one of the nineties classics, it's neon Dion in this episode. So thank you, Grifka for always pulling out those gems. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, where I'm at with Slay, I mean, I, I gotta give it to him. Like I say, I was just, uh, I was not, uh, on, uh, on his side there for a bit. I think he's really proven himself as a, um, lockdown corner, a turnover football player and a guy that, it's just a tremendous interview, a tremendous guy in the locker room, uh, worth every penny. I'm looking at it right now. His average amounts around just over 12 million. Um, the corner is a position that I think the corner is one of the three or four premier positions on your whole team. And uh, so I don't mind putting my money there. I got him locked up kind of till 2021 and uh, I feel great about it. So Grifka, I tip my cap. You were right. I wish I had that helmet back, but, uh, I definitely just glad we got big play Slay on the team and that he's lived up to the nickname. Yeah, I'm so happy he's back there locking down one side. Problem is now now we gotta yeah. talk about the other side and who do we go to? Who do you think that's gonna get it? Let's let's talk about the guy who's been starting Let's go with Nevin Lawson. What do you think about Nevin Lawson? All right, yeah, let's run down Nevin Lawson. Uh twenty seven years old as well. Uh he signed a two year nine, just over nine million. Uh so he's got uh, just signed that this off season. So he's got those two years left about 4.6 mil per. And uh, I don't know. I don't know where to fall with this guy. I mean, I feel like I've been standing up for him or being like, Hey, I'm, I'm glad we have a young versatile corner on our team. But I think me and you have talked before that he always seems to get picked on. He has a lot of penalties. He really hasn't lived up to like what we kind of hoped he would be when we drafted him, but they seem to be keeping him around, you know, used to the scheme as well as just a a guy they seem to like but you know I'm not a huge fan but 4.6 million for again a a corner is is something I'm willing to to look at and be okay with but um you know not my favorite and like you say he's been the guy out there but I think we're gonna talk in a bit about some other guys that might push him down the depth chart which I would like except for if he gets pushed down the depth chart, I don't like the 4.6 mil as much. So what are you saying about uh, Lawson on the outside there? I can't, I feel the same way you do. I really think this is, I know he signed that deal recently, but this is really kind of make or break if he's going to like, you know, 
be a starter, be a, at least a little bit of an impact, or just the guy who like he's a, either the nickel or he's the guy who fills in when somebody gets hurt. Um, he's like you said, he always seems to get picked on, maybe because Slay so you know is is so much better than him. Everybody's like, okay, we're gonna go after Lawson. He seems to get um, you know burned on a lot of plays. I don't see him making too many interceptions. I don't think he had any last year. I think I remember he had like a fumble recovery, you know, take it back to the house for a touchdown. But he just uh-huh. he just always seems to be kind of like maybe a step slow. Either I don't know if it's paralysis by analysis or if it's just one of those things where everybody who he's facing is just that much better than him. I mean, I this is one of those years he's really going to have to show something. Twenty seven, he's going to be coming into his prime. Yeah, it's a new defensive scheme he's going to have to learn um, with new coaches. But it's still one of those things where I just don't feel comfortable with this guy. I know was it when Slay got hurt? Um, was it was it last year or the year before? Everybody's like, "Oh, Lawson's playing better." Well, no, Lawson was playing better. They were just throwing to they were throwing at another defensive back who was actually worse than Nevin Lawson, so it made him look right. better. So, but once Slay came back, it was the same old Nevin Lawson. It was like, "Well, what happened? What happened to his game?" It's just like, no, he just wasn't getting thrown at. So, I don't, I I want to give this guy one more chance, but if he gets pushed down, if he gets pushed down the depth chart, you're right with the salary, you know, just because he's making a little more. I don't want to say well, we got to play him because he's making more. But if there's somebody better out there, you know, Tease Tabor or if they're going to, like, move Quandre Diggs or something, I, I don't know. But um, I, I just, I'm just never comfortable with this guy. He always seems like he's a big bust, you know, big bust play waiting to happen against him. So that's how I feel with Nevin Lawson. All right, yeah, fair enough. Uh, right at the end there, you kind of said a big bust play. I think one thing I've liked about the Lions the last year or so uh, with their corners is I don't feel like we've got – we got thrashed for plays up over the top. Now there have been some big plays. I remember the one, uh, the heartbreaker against the Steelers where backed them up, you know, and they just creased us with Juju and he went to the house for like a 90 yard touchdown. But I don't feel like those have been as prominent. So even though Nevin Lawson hasn't been very good, I don't feel like he's got roasted like in the past where, you know, we're getting 50 yard touchdowns or people are falling down and, and scoring TDs on our corners. So he's got some grittiness to him. I'm looking at his numbers just to, we'll move on to the next guy in a minute, but just looking at his numbers a little bit deeper, I'm looking here. He has a 1.25 uh, roster bonus in 2019. You know, if he makes the team right before the third day of the league year, he's got that guaranteed to him. In 2018, it says here that he's got per game active bonuses. So if he makes the uh, game day roster, he's going to collect 25 G's per and then he's got a hundred thousand dollar workout bonus this year and he's got over eight hundred thousand in incentives just in general in this this two-year deal that he signed so i'm always a fan of incentives when you can get them and i think you know this is a player that he wants to earn it he wants to be good he just needs to be a little less handsy and he needs to come up with some turnovers you know whatever it takes or like you said if they're going to play him in the nickel or in the slot there he just needs to find his role and do it well when called upon. So I'm fine with him on the team, but if he doesn't show out this year when he's given the opportunity, I think you may be looking at a cut before they have to pay him over a quarter of his money before the league year starts in 2019. But I'm glad he's back to add to our depth and, uh, you know, hopefully can show some improvements this year. So with that being said, Grifka, I want to jump over to a guy that I'm going to be honest right up front. This was a guy when they drafted him last year that I was kind of like, I liked it because of the position and because of the fact that at least before all the pre-drafts went, got going, he was a pretty highly rated guy. But by the time they took him, 
there was so much talk about his speed and his this that that I was kind of like, uh, is he going to work in the NFL with his speed? Even if your instincts are great, if you can't run or if you can't um, cover at an elite level in the NFL, it's going to be a short career for you. So everybody out there knows we're talking about Tease Tabor, the second round pick out of Florida. This kid's only 22 years old, super young. So he's played one year in the league, only 22. Four-year rookie deal, so four years, 4.8, 1.25 million per year. Um, you know, the hype train is going. Everybody's saying he's probably the starter opposite of Slay. I'd love to see it. I just need to see him for a long time. I love his length. I think I can't remember how tall. I think he's 6'1 or so. He's really got some long arms. And uh, I love players with instincts. I feel like GQ and some of our other guys – have some good instincts and that makes up for other things in their game. But uh, Tease is really going to have to not only play great with those instincts, but be healthy and uh, find a way to make up for that speed if he doesn't have it. Now, I know there's been other people that have said they don't have speed. I think it was Joe Hayden, right? Had no speed. And he's been a pro bowler a long, long time in the NFL. So Griff could talk to me a little bit about Jalen Tease, Tabor. Now, I like, I like Tabor. He, uh, you know, once again, he played at Florida. I realized, you know, was, like I said, I always thought his, his rookie year was kind of like a redshirt year, get his feet wet, you know, learn from some of those um, established ve- veterans in the defensive backfield. Um, but I, I know with football, like you said, he was everybody's brought up like how fast he is, you know, straight line speed. And you're right, you can't teach speed. Either you have it or you don't. But what I like about right. this guy is that you brought up his instincts. I think he reads plays very well. So he's able to either jump routes or he's being, he's, he's in, he's in position to you know, make a play, either knock the ball down, maybe come up with a pick. He did that a lot at Florida. So that's what I'm really hoping what, what he does here in Detroit. Like you said, he starts across from slay and, you know, slay uh, locks down one side. So other teams, the other teams like, yeah, we're going to try this guy, second year, young guy. And this guy's just there to make plays. When he did play last year, some, he, he made a few plays. And that's what I like to see. But once again, he was still a little raw being a rookie. Um, and I know we've talked about this before. You know, I'm not a huge fan of rookie DBs. It's simply it's just, you know, DBs like, you know, it is. It's one of the hardest positions to learn in pro football. You're out there on the island. You know, it's it's one of those things where I'm almost kind of glad he got it, you know, his feet wet that way, even, even though we, we needed a defensive back when we did. Um but I think even like you, like you said, he's not, you know, fast, fast, but I think he just has good instincts where to make the play. I'm happy with him, man. He, I think he can be around for a while. Um, I'm not calling this, you know, make or break year. Next year might be one of those things, you know, they start, you know, wondering if he doesn't show anything this year, you know, next year is going to be his last chance. Like you said, it's a rookie deal. So it's still pretty cheap to the team. They don't have to worry about cutting him or anything like that. Worry about any salary cap, you know, you know, and you know, him binding up the salary cap or anything like that. But, I like the guy. I would, I would love to see him start. Love to see what he can do. Um, you know, like I said, I think he is about six one. So I mean, that's a little taller for a defensive back. And I know some of the teams' lines play they have those tall wide receivers, so that could definitely help. So yeah, I'm looking forward to see what this guy can do. Yeah, it'd be a big year for him, no doubt. Now, one thing, Griff, I kind of want to rewind the clock to uh, back to Slay and talk about Lawson and and Tabor about their tackling. Like to me. You know, a corner, you know, Dion would always tell you not pay to tackle, you know, but he was so good. He just made so many big plays. He didn't have to. But I feel like we have a, a young group, uh, athletic group. And to me, like, Slay's a, a pretty good tackler. Like, I don't see him running away from plays. Now, is he, 
is he coming up in the box all the time? No, but we don't necessarily want him to, but he tackles it. To me, Nevin Lawson is gritty, as I said, and, and we'll, we'll tackle and we'll uh, put you on the ground. And I can't remember. I think I want to say there were some good highlights of Tabor really laying the lumber to people, but I feel like he could be a, despite his speed and other things we've already discussed, like he could be a, a good tackler and just a, a really good football player at the corner position if, if he plays out best case scenario. So are you with me on that, that we have a, an athletic young corners, the ones we've talked about so far and guys that aren't going to run away or aren't terrible tacklers. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy with what we have in the defensive backfield, you know, safety wise, cornerback wise, but you're right. I think these guys just like to come up. I'm, I'm not saying they're going to stick somebody, but they're going to come up and make a tackle. I don't, I don't think yeah. they're going to come up and whiff on guys. So yeah, I like what we got back there. And that's what you got to have. I mean, you can't be a pure cover and you can't just be a tackler. You got to be a little bit of both uh, to really be able to have a good unit. So I feel good about that. Um, I'll just throw it to you, Grifka, on Jamal Agnew. He was another draft pick last year, later in the draft. Give, give me your overall thoughts on him. Or, again, another rookie contract, four years, $2.6 million total. So only 600000 a year. Really showed some incredible stuff in the return game. And uh, now they're probably looking to have him still do that, but hopefully see him a little bit more on the defensive side of the ball if that's – where they want him and even played some offense last year. So talk me through this guy. Honestly, the way I feel about Agnew is like, if, if I see him in the defensive backfield at some point, starting at corner or nickel or whatever, that defensive backfield's in trouble because there's a lot of hurt guys back there. Um, I really like him as a punt returner, kick returner, special teams guy. The guy's fast, he's shifty, he's quick. But um, the way I feel about him is like, if we see him, you know, starting across either from Lawson or Tabor or Slay, that means we're hurting pretty bad in the defensive backfield, especially with what we've signed, you know, and what we already had back there. So I, I like him on the team. Love the guy on the team. As a, you know, like I said, a special teamer, man. He's, he's, you know, he can he can get upfield pretty quick and, you know, make guys miss. I mean, like I said, I'd rather him even do that on offense, man. I don't want to say run the wildcat, but, you know, run some stuff like that to get him, get him his hands on the ball on offense. But, um, I like him more of a special teams guy than playing actually, you know, on the defense. That's how I feel about him. Yeah, good stuff. I, I'm glad you have that take because I feel pretty much the same way. Like, I I don't remember seeing a ton. I feel like when he got in there, he was more than serviceable. But I really liked him more as an offensive gadget guy and a kick and punt returner. But I got to give it up to Daniel Jeremiah, man. I'm just all about NFL Network around the draft. Griff, could you know that? I'm sure everybody out there listening is. And Daniel Jeremiah is my guy, man. He just he has some funny takes and uh, just a, seems like a good dude all the way around. I remember him just calling out this Jamal Agnew like months before the draft saying, you know, there's a lot of buzz about this guy. And then he had the pro day where I think he ran like something ridiculous, like a 4-3 or – you know, something really low like that. And everybody was wowed, but they were just kind of like, ah, you know, San Diego state, uh, you know, wherever he was from, it was kind of this no name, small school. And Jeremiah was like, no man, this guy's got speed and he can play the game. And uh, I think he nailed this one. So I was so happy. I remember when Bob Quinn took him, I was kind of like, Oh man, that's a Jamal Agnew that uh, Daniel Jeremiah was talking about. And man, if he can have, you know, similar year to last year like you know even if he takes a downturn I feel like he's still a good piece getting him in the fifth sixth round 
wherever we ended up taking him. Like to me, whatever you do, gadget guy, defender, kick returns to me, if he has three quarters of the year he had last year, it's more than more than a good piece on this team. So uh, I love the guy, and I think he's a young guy that just has room to only get better, 23 years old, another really young guy that uh, seems to have all the things you look for. Yeah, that's how I feel about him as well. So looking at our sheet, Grifka, we've got um, Mike Ford and then Charles Washington here on my list. I want to take a second to sort of talk about Mike Ford. I don't have everything in front of me on him, but I'm trying to remember. Like, he was an undrafted guy, and I know there was some buzz about him. I want to say he was out of Texas. Yeah, he came out of Texas. I have it right? Yeah, he's out of Texas. Yeah, and there's some buzz about him making the 53, or will he have any noise in training camp? Again, only 22 years old, and they guaranteed him 20,000, which on an undrafted guy is a is is decent. You know, it's not a one of those bigger numbers you see, but it's also not not zero. So they they seem like they're going to give this guy a chance to do some things. Um, you know, I feel like he's a guy to watch. And uh, like I said, other than that, I don't know a ton about him, but I'm curious to see if he gets any buzz. Charles Washington Grifka is 25, and uh, he is on the final year of his deal. It's like a $500,000 minimum. It seems like this guy's been kind of just hanging around, but I don't ever remember him like out on the defense doing anything other than running on special teams and things like that. So any, any thoughts on Ford or Washington before we move on to the wideouts? Um, camp bodies. There you go. That's, that's my thoughts on them. Camp bodies. Michael, <laughs> if Michael Ford, if he's around, he's going to be a practice squad guy. I mean, based on the guys that we've covered, you know, guys in the defensive backfield that can flip between safety and corner, you know, you know, those, you know, Ford's going to be, he's more of a developmental guy if he can stay on the practice squad, it might be one of those things where somebody else is interested in him, and then they got to put him on the roster. But um, I don't see him like, you know, playing on Sundays, uh, Washington, same thing. Just a, I think he's just a, a camp body. He's there. So, you know, Slay can, you know, play two plays and then go uh, hit the showers and ride the bike and stuff like that. So that's how I feel about those guys. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, we'll see. Um, the only thing is, like we talked last week about safeties and how some of our safeties had like corner safety flex. I mean, we only named off four or five corners right there. So, you know, that's where you always get worried that an injury or two can really put you into Agnew starting or hoping that Mike Ford or somebody like that has some promise. So, you know, I'm sure we're going to move uh, Walker and Shed as we talked last week around if we were to get injuries. But, I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing another corner either emerge or be signed or be brought along somehow because, you know, what's the, the good old saying, you can never have enough corners. And I've always been a fan of that. It feels like we're drafting them now at the right time, you know, at the right value in the draft. But, you know, you got to put an emphasis on having not just one good corner or not just two okay corners. Like you got to go, you know, four or five deep, I think, to get through an NFL season. Yeah, I agree there. So so all right man let's move on to the uh to the wideouts you gave us the uh the first corner so grifka let me do what i've done on previous podcasts let me give you the first wideout can i no problem man it's up to you go ahead we are going to talk about my boy the man kenny galladay Oh my goodness, Grifka. I got this guy in almost every fantasy league. I watched a few games from last year, and to me, he just jumped off the screen of like 
He's like long. He's athletic. He's got a good head on his shoulders. He makes ridiculous catches when the ball's in anywhere in his area. Like to me, this guy, I mean, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but he's 24 years old. He's six, four, like 200 and, um, you know, 20 ish pounds, maybe a little bit less than that. He's on a four year deal. We took him in the third round. So only 3 million total, only making 700 and, thousand or so this year and to me you know we talked in the past about what do you do with golden tate this and the other like i'm a real proponent of this year you know putting tate in the slot putting kenny boy on the outside and putting marv on the outside and throwing the ball up for grabs sometimes rather than all this dink and dunk that we've been doing. So this is my make it or break it guy, not only for the lions, but for every fantasy team I have, as far as a, a big swing on a guy that most people don't, you know, think much of or think, ah, oh, he's got a little buzz, but what is he going to do? Like, I think in a year or two, we could be talking about this guy as our number one and as a guy that's just a dynamic playmaker in the NFL. So there you go. Griff guy sold him high. Kenny, Kenny boy, as we call him, Kenny Galladay. <laughs> what are you saying? Um, I'm still uh, cautiously optimistic with this guy. Of of course. I mean, once again, rookie wide open. I mean, he was hurt last year. I mean, let's see how he goes this year. If he ends up on – I mean, if it's one of those things, you know, where if he gets hurt again, he misses substantial time like he did last year, people are going to start wondering, is this guy injury prone? You know, can he play in this league? Can he stay healthy, you know? Um, but like you said, I would love to see that too, you know, where they – uh. You know, they have speed on the outside, you know, to take those safeties, you know, you know, they just, those two, you know, Jones and Galladay just, you know, run go routes, you know, the safeties have to follow them, leaving the whole middle open, you know, underneath for Golden Tate, um, you know, something like that, you know, like you said, or even just throw up jump balls and have those guys go get it. Um, but like you said, rookie contract, I mean, this guy's going to be around. They're obviously going to put time in this guy. You know, they think, you know, he can be, you know, a big part of the team. But once again, you know, just as long as he can stay healthy. Can he stay on the field? That's the big thing. Um, I like him too. Don't get me wrong, man. I have him on a couple fantasy teams as well. But um, I'm just – I'm cautiously optimistic with uh, with uh, young wide receivers like that. See see what they can do, especially is he going to get enough balls thrown his way, especially with the other wide receivers that we have on the field as well. But, yeah, I like the guy. <laughs> All right. Well, here's the thing. We got a, we got a bunch of names still we got to work through here, Griffka and – and uh, so I won't spend too much more time on it, but I want to say one thing, like the main reason you get a lot of cred for Darius Slay is because you called it basically from day one. You've also called that Brandon Pettigrew was terrible from day one. And you said Nick Fairley wouldn't be good from day one. So I give you credit for all these calls and Eric Ebron. You hated him too. Keep it going, so man. Like, Keep it going. I got a bunch. Well, you get credit <laughs> for those, but those are like, those are the few where you really like had a strong stance, negative stance from day one that came through that I remember at least. And, and I only give people credit normally for stuff like that because I hate it when people, and you do it a lot. So do my other friends where you either play both sides of the fence or you'll say like, oh, I like him a lot, but I got to see more. Oh, he's got to prove it to me. Oh, he's got to do like, it's no fun when you wait for three years and the guy has two or two good years and one bad year and you go, oh, okay, he's pretty good now. Like, yes, the sky is blue and water is wet. Like we know these things by then. The best part is when you come out like I'm doing on Kenny G and saying, this guy has got crazy upside and I'm expecting him to take a big leap 
And then if he does, great. I get the cred and and, and you can put it down. Okay. If he doesn't, you tip your cap and say, okay, I was wrong. He sucked. But you got to go one way or the other. You can't just ride the fence all day or say, I'll tell you he's good once he's good. I mean, that, that doesn't but, work. But you do that with every Lions rookie. You're like, this guy, yeah, we'll give him a chance. He's going to be good. You'll, you'll have faith, have faith. And I'm just like, this guy's terrible, man. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, and then just like <laughs> when it happens, I'm like, told you. You know, and then yeah. you're like, well, yeah, you're right. It's nice to not ride the fence that way. And, you know, I will applaud you when Kenny Galladay is like, you know, playing in Hawaii or Orlando, wherever the Pro Bowl is or whatever. Okay. okay. Uh, I, I, will, I, will, I will tip my cap to you at that point. All right. Yeah. I mean, like you say, I gave you credit. You've been right. And like, yeah, I do. I do view towards being optimistic, especially on these young guys. But I mean, just watch this guy in interviews. Look at how, look at how athletic he looks. Look at how focused he is looking at watch him on the field i mean he he bends and moves really crazy and and could just be a ridiculous athlete so anyway it's on tape i put it on tape before that i'm just really expecting a big leap from this guy so let's move on let's kind of take uh again we want to move through these at a decent pace so let's uh let's kind of bundle tate and jones just uh kind of talk me through those guys in general i'll give you their contracts here real quick and then just talk me through them those are other two top wideouts um, you know, expect Marvin to be on the outside. Golden Tate outside can move inside. Um, Marvin Jones, 28 years old. He's uh, making $8 million per year on average. We've got him for another three years under contract. Golden Tate's in his last year of his current contract. He makes six, just over $6 million this year. So a little bit less than, than Marv does. And, uh, you know, the, the the main things are obvious, Griff. I mean, these guys have been productive. Marvin Jones took a nice step forward next or last year. We're hoping it, it keeps up because it would give us a good receiving core. But get, give me some of your thoughts or what you think is not only going to happen with them this year, but what maybe you do with Tate and what you think about their contract numbers since we're talking talking dollars and cents here. Um, I'll start with Marvin Jones simply because, I mean, we know he's going to be here. He's the one that signed the big deal. Um, they brought him in to be that, you know, guy to stretch the field. Um, but I think one of those things, too, correct me if I'm wrong, I think Marvin Jones has another one of those after the 2019 season. I think he has an opt-out. I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's his opt-out or a team opt-out or a mutual opt-out. I think I think that's also in the contract as well. Um, like I said, correct me if I'm wrong. And, and we haven't signed through, you know, was it uh, 2020, you know, if, if he stays with the team. So he's going to be around. I mean, they're expecting, you know, lines are expecting a lot out of Marvin Jones. So like I said, his age, 28, he's in his prime. Um, he makes good money for, for what he does. I mean, his contract, I like his contract when they signed him. Um, I never thought he was one of those guys that was just taking the money, you know, and then come back just to collect his paycheck on every Tuesday. So I like what he does. Um, so I like Marvin Jones. Um, as for Golden Tate, I think Golden Tate, what he does for this team, he, he makes plays. He, you know, like I said, we, we talked about this before where, He's a guy if they need seven yards, they'll throw him. They'll, they'll throw him a five-yard route, and he'll get you the extra two. He, he can break tackles, and that's what I like about him. He's shifty. He can. Uh, um, he he just uh, he gets he gets the yards that's needed, and he, and he catches the ball. Yeah, he has a drop every once in a while, but he's probably been one of the more dependable receivers the Lions have had at catching the ball. With re-signing him, I think it depends on what really happens with Kenny Galladay. I mean, not trying to bring up Galladay again. But if Galladay takes, you know, big steps forward and lines can like, okay, we can get this guy and we'll just go get some cheaper guy to run in the slot, you know, then they might not, you know, sign Tate. But if, you know, if it's another, um, if Galladay doesn't progress like the team wants, they might want to invest some money in him. 
But once again, you know, Tate's 29. It's not, it's not real old, but it's not, um, you know, it's probably in the midst of his prime. You know, if they're going to re-sign him, once again, the money's got to be right. I'm not saying Tate's going to take like a hometown discount, but, you know, I think he's loved by the fans. Um, so it's one of those things. I think the money's got to be right. And I, you know, at 29 at a wide receiver, you're probably looking maybe like a, you know, three-year deal, it's, you know, three, four max, depending on what he does. Um, that's what I would be looking for. But once again, if it's one of those things where another team wants to throw a bunch of money at him after this year, depending on how, what kind of year he has, I'd hate to say it, but yeah, I'd have to let him walk, you know, simply for that based on they've already got a lot of money spent in Marvin Jones and they really want Kenny Galladay to develop. So that's how I feel about those two wide receivers. What do you think about him, yeah. Derek? Yeah, good summary, Grifka. Um, you know, my thing with, with Tate too is 29 years old and, uh, I don't see him taking like a two-year deal almost no matter what the contract is. Like I'd love to get him at two years, even if we had to take him from 6 million up to 10 ish, you know, but if you're, if you're looking for four years or five years, like to me, that's going to be, that's going to be too much for me to do. Um, but I, I like what he does. I, I just, uh, if you can keep this group together all the better. Cause we're about to talk about the guys behind him, and I'm, I'm not a big fan of, of these other guys, but um, I like the trio this year of Marv, Tate, and Galladay, and that's all up to Tate, you know, what he's willing to accept and what our vision is for him because I think he could be a dynamic slot player. I think if you just got him in there and had two two athletic guys that can go deep or could stretch the field, like he could just tear people up, little catches, doing all his run after the catch kind of stuff. But I, I really don't see him as a d- dynamic outside guy anymore regardless of the contract so um you know i'm high on our receivers our top three for sure and i love the contract number i gotta talk for one second you said marvin oh you know good contract for what he does like to me you know again i we're not gonna pull up all the receivers but eight million like jarvis landry just got i want to say 15 17 sammy watkins making 17 18 that's 10 million more than marvin jones like to me we got him a few years ago at a price for people like, ah, you know, four years, uh, five years, 40 million. I don't know. And now you just look at those deals and think, wow, those things are great. So I love both their contract numbers right now. Absolutely. Almost no matter what they do. I love the numbers. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a big, big key having, it's a big thing for us, for the Lions to have those guys that, like you said, at those, at those numbers that they're making. Yeah. Cool, man. Let's let's bundle three more guys together. It's kind of like the next tier. So we got TJ Jones. Let's bundle him, Chase Billingsley, and let's throw this this unknown in there that got all this buzz at the at the camps, and that's Theo Redding. So I'll walk you through Grifka. TJ Jones, twenty six years old, only has one year deal right now for nearly two million bucks. We've got Chase Billingsley, 25. He's got two years left at the basically the minimum, 500000 or so. And then we got Teal Redding, who's basically an undrafted guy. He's this big, lanky playmaker that I guess was just catching everything, making circus catches at camp, which we've seen those before, but I have heard some buzz about this guy. So take those however you want them and tell me, do you, are you okay with the numbers? Can these guys actually be a four or five um, type receiver or are we looking at some cuts here? What are you thinking? Okay. I'll start with TJ Jones. This will be quick. TJ Jones is on the team. 
Um, he's got pretty decent hands, and the only reason he's on the team is because he knows the offense. I mean, that's what he is. I mean, let's face it. I mean, we've been waiting for this guy to, you know, touch the field, be the slot guy, you know, when before they, you know, had Galladay and everything. But let's face it, he's on the team because he's cheap. He's He's got pretty decent hands, and he knows the offense. That's how I feel about him. He's your fourth wide receiver. Uh, Jace Billingsley, it always seems like every, you know, every preseason, all those games, he's always making all these miraculous catches. You know, I'm talking like the tight, you know, the ones in the tight windows where, you know, either, you know, linebacker throws a hand in the way or the defensive back's coming in right as he hits him as right as he and he catches the ball. But this guy just never makes the team. I don't know what it is. I don't know what, why the other coaches don't, you know, what they see, what we don't see. Because once again, we only see the game. So he must be, either something's missing in practice or, or he's just not as good as what the film that we're seeing because, yeah, he goes on the practice squad and, you know, other teams can sign guys off practice squad, but he never leaves. And so we always see him on the practice squad. So I'm not quite for sure what Jace Billingsley is. And um, Redding's the last. Chase Billings is your boy. You, you, you said in a previous podcast you want to see him out there this year. Right, and that's just like from the tape that we've had. So I'd like to see what he can do. But like I said, I don't know if we're just missing something in practice. Either he's not getting something in practice or other people are showing stuff in practice to get on the field in front of him. So I know in the past, you know, we've all seen like all those preseason games where all these unknown wide receivers just have miraculous games, you know, like four catches, 125 yards against, you know, the Buffalo fourth stringers. And, or they have like, you know, two touchdowns, you know, like five catches, two touchdowns for 70 yards. And I was like, how, how can they cut this guy? But then he gets cut and he doesn't get signed by anybody else. So I, I kind of feel that's what Jace Billingsley is. I'd like to see a little more out of this guy. And this is obviously the year. If he doesn't do anything, you know, it's like, okay, see ya. You can – I don't know if he's been around – was it you only get two years on the practice squad after that you know it's like hey, we have to cut you loose so i don't i don't know i i, I would just like to see a little more because just simply because he makes those tough catches like i said in traffic you know a db's hitting him in the back somebody you know tips the ball he's got he's got good concentration i think he's just got good hands so i'd like to see more mm-hmm. out of him and then reading the last one um to me once again like you said he's making these circus catches in practice to me camp body if he's around, he's practice squad. That's what he's going to be. I don't see. And once again, I think it's one of those things. If we see the, if we see him starting on Sunday, that means we're hurting at wide receiver. That's that's where I think he's at. Obviously, a developmental guy. You know, he's tall. Maybe he can go up and get the ball. You know, but that's where he's at this year. He might be around practice squad a couple of years, and then we don't hear from the guy. That's that's how I feel about him. So what you're saying is, Tio Redding could be good. Will he be good? Right. No. <laughs> yeah. Could he be good? Yeah. In two years, <laughs> will he be good? No, I think he's another one of those wide receivers that, you know, like people fawn all over him. It's just like, I remember, was it when the Lions signed Patrick Edwards? Remember that wide receiver? Patrick? This guy's fast. He can stretch the field. That guy couldn't catch a cold in Alaska. But everyone's like, I remember I was actually reading people's stuff. or saying, we got Patrick Edwards. We can trade Calvin Johnson. Okay. I was reading people saying that and people are like, are you freaking nuts? He's fast. He can stretch the field. I remember plenty. Of, I mean, Darius Haywood Bay is fast. That guy can't catch. I remember Alexander Wright for, like, the Raiders and the Rams. That guy, same thing. The guy's fast, man, but they couldn't, you know, they they would just, they would need, like, freaking Gorilla Glue on their hands to be able to catch a ball. I mean, it's just, and that's, you know, so maybe Redding's making all these great catches, but once again, you know, yeah, will he be good? Probably not. This guy's going to be, like, you know, bagging my groceries at Myers here pretty soon. That's all I think. <laughs> oh, Grifka, we're winding on the podcast. You know you got to get the taglines in for the people. <laughs> and 
And you're supposed to go Teal Redding and then compare him to old Green Bay receiver insert here. <laughs> okay. Well, he's that sternly sharp, man. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. We had to get that in too. So real quick, uh, I, I hate TJ Jones, to be honest. Like to me, <laughs> to me, this guy, <laughs> this guy is such a wimp. Like he's just like this little wimpy, skinny receiver. He's got his stupid one eye black on that he wears like he's left eye from TLC and like I'd rather just have a big blocking receiver or a guy that had some grit to him than have TJ Jones who makes one play every year and people get excited about him but like you know he'll probably come out this year and surprise me but I've not been a fan for a long time I think you're fine on everything else you said I'm a little bit higher on this T.O. Redding of course because he's a young unknown guy that I heard some buzz about but I love guys that can go make plays and that have a good attitude and that just uh, have some buzz about him. So I'm curious to see. I think he may be a training camp slash preseason darling where by the end of camp you're having to wonder if this is guy worth keeping or not. I don't think he'll be bagging groceries. I think he's a developmental player that – you know, you can you can hang on to. And Grifka, to wrap us up on receivers, I don't want to take a ton of time. To me, Chris Lacey, Brandon Powell, Dantez Alexander, and Dantez Ford, Bradley Marquez, as you said. To me, those guys, as you've been using the term, camp bodies, they're blocking, they're grit guys, they're special teams guys. I don't see anything there, but I do think, you know, we will see those guys in the preseason and you know, if one of them can kind of be a component in one of the three phases, I'm fine with it, but I don't expect much. So you really need a bunch from those top three. Um, I'd love to kick TJ Jones out whenever possible and get somebody that's better. And I'd love T.O. Redding to surprise me a little bit. So that's where I'm at with receivers. Wrap up receivers, and then we'll wrap up this Kool-Aid cast. Yeah, those last few names that you mentioned, they're cannon fodder to me. That's what they are. They're tackling dummies. They're getting the – They're what? They're cannon fodder. They're just there. What's what's that? You got to explain that for the people. That's not a a, uh, term, bro, that we uh, we use much. Give it to me. Cannon fodder. It's just uh, you're – I don't want to say – for lack of better, you're waste is what you are. I mean, you're there. That's all you are. You're there just to – you're there to take the beatings – you're there to, you know, get the water for the, for the, you know, for the established veteran stars. <laughs> you're there to like, you're there to like scrape their windshields in the winter, you know, when there's frost on them and everything. That's what you're there for. You're, you're just cannon fodder. It's just like, poof, they could shoot you. They could shoot you out of town and nobody would miss you. That's, that's what they are. That's what they are. Who, who says, who says cannon fodder in 2018? Like when was that your last used? in like the middle ages? <laughs> Could be dark ages at the time, but the, when they first invented gunpowder, maybe, but that, oh that's, my what, that's what those guys are. You're right though. But the, the top, the top three guys, they're going to have to put up the numbers. Um, I know, I know uh, you, you bagged on TJ Jones. Like I said, he's only here because he's, he's terrible. He's only here because he knows the offense. He's got pretty decent hands. But like you said, this guy, I don't know if, I don't know if they like fake an injury for him, you know, just to make him feel good because he went to Notre Dame or something like that. I don't know, but you're right. I mean, I, I always see like people like, I know what New England's like looking to trade Malcolm Mitchell, but, I, you know, that guy just got knee work done. I don't want – I'm almost kind of tired of like all the New England guys coming here because I'm starting to get the feeling of like when – when was it Rod Marinelli came in and we started signing Ryan Neese and Kelvin Pearson, who was actually the backup to the backup safety, by the way. Calvin Peterson, but he knew the Tampa too, so we had to get him. You know, that's kind of – I'm starting to get that feeling with all these guys. Like, you're like, this guy was on New England's Pectus squad, and 
this guy, you know, uh, knows, you know, played with Patricia back in New England. So it's like, well, that's great. I'm, I'm glad, but can he play? And I'm starting to, I'm starting to get the feeling, you know, that that's where we're getting with these guys. But yeah, we, you know, Tate Jones, Galladay, they're going to have to put up the numbers. TJ Jones, he's going to be there. If one of those guys get hurt, Jace Billingsley's got to show something in the preseason camp or that guy's going to be working at Wendy's. So uh, that's all there's <laughs> to it. All right, you heard it here first, everybody. Cannon fodder, Grifka says. Oh, man, Grifka, we got to get our, our verbiage up. We're going to lose listeners after that garbage. TJ <laughs> uh, Jones, speaking of garbage, must stand for terrible Jones. Get him out of here. Uh, but, yeah, that's that's the receivers and the uh, and the corners. So, everybody, uh, appreciate everybody listening. And uh, Grifka. We'll have to come back and, and kind of finish out this roster and these contracts here soon. But uh, another great talk, kind of working through our roster. And uh, I love talking about the guys that cover the wideouts and the wideouts on this team. So, again, me and Grifka, pretty positive. Kool-Aid drinkers, I'm sure you are as well. And, uh, again, we'll be back with another Kool-Aid cast here soon. So, Grifka, send us out of here. Hey, Lions fans, training camp, get hyped. We're ready for this. Go Lions. Let's do this. See ya. Drink it in, man.